Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for tuning into the show. As you know, over the last couple of months, I've been doing these shows live on YouTube and Twitter and TikTok. It's been a lot of fun. This week on the live show, we had some internet issues. The internet kept going in and out, causing us to lose connection to YouTube and on all those other platforms. So I'm just warning you, some of the audio is not going to be quite as good in the show. I apologize for that. Blame my internet provider. Fuck them. But anyway, I really appreciate you tuning into the show. It was still a fun show either way. Enjoy it. And uh, we'll be back next week with hopefully great audio all the way through. Thanks, guys. is up guys it's alex johnson here the founder and lead analyst at yardsforfantasy.com welcome to the 122nd episode of the feed me fantasy podcast let's eat if you listen to the show on the podcast feed then you've probably noticed a new show has joined the yards for fantasy network that's right Britt sanders drew roberts and zach schultz of yards for fantasy have gotten together to bring you the ultimate NFL and college football betting show. It's called the Units Per Podcast. They've already dropped three episodes, including two this week. They've talked season-long awards like MVP, Rookie of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year, and so forth. They've also talked conference winners, team totals, division winners. Check it out. Units Per on the Yards Per Fantasy Podcast Network. Today's show, though, we're picking up where we left off last week. If you missed it, we went through the entire AFC, identifying a stud, a dud, and a value from each team. We're going to do the same today for the NFC. If you get your calculators out, you'll see that that means you're going to get my take on 48 players today. It sounds like a lot. It is. It is a lot. But I'm going to try to go rapid fire so this show doesn't run for too long. I know you can only listen to me ramble for for so long before you can't stand it anymore. I get it. But real quick, I got to remind you to take advantage of our promo code on Underdog Fantasy where they just opened up a new tournament with just a $3 entry fee, no rake, and a $50,000 worth of prizes. That's on top of Best Ball Mania, the Big Dog, the Mastiff, and your more typical 6, 10, and 12-team leagues. Check that out and use promo code YARDSPER to get a $100 instant deposit match. I'm drafting on there every single day. You'll see my screenshots all the time of my teams on Twitter. I highly, highly recommend you get on there and do the same. It's going to make you a better drafter. It's a ton of fun, and you can win some money, baby. You can also use promo code YARDSPUR on BetUS for all you sports betting enthusiasts, and you'll get a 125% deposit bonus for any first-time deposit between $50 and $2,500. 
and just listen to the units per podcast and the guys will give you all the winning bets. Take advantage of these deals today. But on to the show. On to today's show. We're starting with the NFC East and the Giants. Remember, everything here is going to be based on ADP. If I say a guy is going to be a dud, it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to suck. It's more like he isn't a great bet to return value at cost. So we're going to start with Saquon Barkley as they stud for the Giants. This guy is the definition of a stud. Honestly. The problem is, though, he's been marred by injuries and poor offense over the last couple of seasons. Now he's finally healthy. He's been, you know, He's been injured, but now he's he's as healthy as he's been in years. And he's got the best offensive line that he's had in front of him in years as well. Remember, Barkley was one of the best running back prospects to ever enter the NFL. And he's still just 25 years old. Easy choice for stud for the Giants. On to the dud, another easy choice. It's Kenny Galladay. Galladay has been a complete disaster since he joined the Giants. The team has only added target competition to the offense, too, to make it even worse. Even with his ADP residing in the double-digit rounds, I have absolutely no desire to draft Kenny Galladay. The value on the Giants is going to be Daniel Jones. He may be a bad real-life quarterback, but he's sneaky good in fantasy. That's thanks to his 26 rushing yards per game average over his career. And if you extrapolate that out to a full-game season, it comes out to somewhere around 450 yards for an entire season. Even while throwing just 10 touchdowns in 2021, Daniel Jones was able to muster up a QB 17 finish in fantasy points per game. Now he has an offensive-minded head coach who comes over from Buffalo. That's only going to help the young quarterback develop in his game, both his arm and with his legs. Remember, Brian Dayball, was never shy about letting Josh Allen run during his tenure as the Bills' offensive coordinator. I expect that to be the same with Jones, especially considering Jones is a fraction of the passer that Allen is. Let's move it on to the Eagles. We're going pretty fast here. The stud for the Eagles is Jalen Hurts. You know my guy, Jalen Hurts. I loved him last year. We nailed it. I love him this year as well. He barely threw for 3,000 yards and tossed just 16 touchdowns in 2021. And yet he was still the QB6 in fantasy points per game. So how did he manage that? How? Well, he rushed for 782 yards and 10 scores. Now he gets to throw to one of the best wide receivers in the league in an offense that everyone expects will pass at a much higher rate than they did in 2021. More dropbacks will also lead to more scrambles and more rushing production. Hurts could absolutely break fantasy football this year. The bust for the Eagles is going to be Devontae Smith. While it's exciting to hear that they're expected to pass more than they did in 2021, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to suddenly have one of the highest pass rates in the NFL. Either way, one of the biggest reasons we expect a shift in play selection is the addition of A.J. Brown to that offense. That's not great news for Devontae Smith. Not only is he losing the wide receiver one job, he's losing it to one of the most pure alpha wide receivers in the NFL. 
Brown is going to command a massive target share. We can't even confidently project Devontae Smith to be second in line for targets as tight end Dallas Goddard seems to be the more likely candidate to be Hertz's number two option. So the value for the Eagles is going to be Kenny Gainwell. Y'all know how much I love Kenny Gainwell. After finishing as a top 24 running back twice in the first four weeks of his rookie season, the Eagles seem to scale back his role in favor of crusty veterans like Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. Still, Gainwell proved he can hang with the big dogs when given the opportunity. He was incredibly efficient as a receiver out of the backfield, averaging 1.73 yards per route and 7.7 yards per reception, which ranked 6th and 12th among all running backs, respectively, according to playerprofiler.com. And that was on 11.3% target share. Gainwell is nearly a lock to seize a significant role in the Eagles' backfield in 2022 as the primary passing downs back. It's widely expected that the Eagles will be will up their passing rate, which will only help Gainwell's role grow even more. And on top of that, there may be an opportunity to earn some more carries as well, considering the team doesn't exactly seem committed to giving Miles Sanders a full workhorse role. Let's move on to the Cowboys. Hopefully we can have some better internet luck. Talking Cowboys, the stud, CeeDee Lamb. Amari Cooper's gone. That elevates CeeDee Lamb to the clear number one option in the Dallas passing game. This is a fast-paced offense that likes to throw the ball. The only reason they ran so much last year is because they were leading by so much. They've got a tougher schedule. That's only going to create more shootouts and more passing. Lamb's target share should rise to the mid-20s as Dak Prescott's pass attempts will also likely crack the 600 mark for the first time in his career. CeeDee Lamb is about to take off. On the other side of that, the dud is going to be Ezekiel Elliott. It's finally, I think, I think it's finally going to be Tony Pollard's season. Elliott's efficiency has steadily declined over the last few years, while Pollard has only proven he is the far more explosive option in that backfield. I believe the Cowboys want Zeke to continue to lead the backfield and will force feed him the ball, but as the season goes along, they'll have little choice but to give Pollard more and more opportunities. Elliott is the classic dead zone running back at this point in his career. As the value in Dallas, that's going to be my guy, Jalen Tolbert. I've talked about him a few times on podcasts, in articles, made a few TikToks about Jalen Tolbert. With Cooper gone, Cedric Wilson gone, Michael Gallup likely to start the season on the PUP, Jalen Tolbert is the locked-in wide receiver too in Dallas. If he establishes himself early on, he'll have an opportunity to keep that job even upon Gallup's return. Tolbert will be a downfield playmaker for Dak Prescott while they move CeeDee Lamb around the formation and Dalton Schultz eats underneath. Moving on to the commanders, the stud, Terry McLaurin is far and away. He's far and away the most talented weapon on the Washington offense. He'll easily lead the team in receiving numbers across the board and he's going to be a solid wide receiver too for fantasy purposes. Not much else really needs to be said. Let's just keep it moving. The dud. This one kind of hurts my heart a little bit. It's Antonio Gibson. I tweeted back in April. This was this, this was the tweet. 
I said Washington was active with a lot of running back prospects in the pre-draft process. You wonder if they love Gibson as much as we do. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it's looking like I was right. One of these tweets that I throw out there and I hate that I ended up being right. I'm usually right. I'm just kidding. I'm all anyway. Let's just talk about Gibson. After that tweet, the commanders went on to draft Brian Robinson in the third round. Training camp in preseason has been particularly troubling for Gibson. It started as speculation that Robinson would have a greater role than originally expected, and JD McKissick would continue the passing downs work. It evolved into Gibson working on special teams with Robinson getting reps with the first team offense. It's not good, man. It's not good. I still like the talent of Gibson and believe he could work his way back into the good graces of the coaching staff. But at this point where there's smoke, there's fire. I don't say it often, but this is a situation to stay away from. As the value, I've got Curtis Samuel. He's going undrafted in a lot of leagues, but I guarantee He has as much upside as any of the late-round wide receivers. His 2021 was essentially a lost season as he battled groin and hamstring injuries throughout the year. But it was just a year ago, just one year ago, that Washington signed him to a three-year deal with $23 million in guaranteed money. And it was just two years ago that he topped 1,000 yards from scrimmage with five touchdowns on 77 receptions in 41 rush attempts on his way to the wide receiver 27. He earned a 19.1% target share during that 2020 campaign while he racked up 227 yards after the catch. With 4-3-1 speed and 93rd percentile burst, according to Player Profiler, Samuel has the athleticism to be an explosive playmaker out of the slot for Carson Wentz. He's versatile enough to take snaps at running back, be the team's primary deep threat, and gobble up yards after the catch on underneath targets. They understand the health concerns. They're real. They really are. It's it's there. We can't debate that. But that's why his ADP is so low. Fantasy gamers have almost written him off. If he can beat out a rookie, stay healthy, Samuel will be second on the team in targets with the upside to score 15 fantasy points in any given week. Moving on to the NFC North, we got the Packers. The stud is Aaron Jones. I actually just made a TikTok about him the other day. I think it's scheduled to come out tonight. So keep an eye out for that TikTok audience. Anyway, the path is there for a top five season for Aaron Jones. In games without Devontae Adams over the last few years, Jones has averaged an additional eight fantasy points per game on top of his other as top of his normal average. That's because he's used a lot more in the passing game when Adams is not available. Even with Adams in the lineup, Jones was still top 10 in targets and target share among all running backs last year. I understand AJ Dillon's there. That's the elephant in the room but he may actually help Jones stay healthy and fresh by taking those in-between-the-tackles, hard grinder carries. And it's not like they have much to work with for pass catchers, 
So I expect Jones will get a ton of targets and still hover around 200 carries. My dud for the Packers is going to be Aaron Rodgers. He lost Devontae Adams, who leads the NFL in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns going back to 2018. They haven't exactly replaced him with studs either. They got Alan Lazard, Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, Sammy Watkins. I don't know. I don't know. That's not that's not a group of future Hall of Famers, that's for sure. And this is not exactly a high-volume passing offense either because they play so slow. He's going to be outscored by the duo-threat quarterbacks as well as the high-end pocket passers. I'm even ranking Kirk Cousins and Derek Carr ahead of him. Call me crazy, but I want those guys over Aaron Rodgers this year. The value for the Packers is going to be Alan Lazard. I know I just talk shit about him, but he's the value. I'm lower on than most than Rodgers, like I said, but it is still Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, Alan Lazard is the locked-in wide receiver one in that offense with established chemistry with Rodgers, even before this season. The depth chart is lacking in talent, like I said before, so Lazard is a good bet to lead the Packers in targets. He's going to get plenty of red zone looks as well. He was already top 20 in red zone targets while playing a limited role in 2021. Double-digit touchdowns is certainly in his range of outcomes. Moving on to the Lions. We got my stud as DeAndre Swift. He has the profile of a league-winning running back. I know it's hard to really call a guy that you're drafting that early in the draft a league winner, but we'll just call him a league winner anyway. He's finished as the RB16 and the RB10 in fantasy points per game over the last two seasons. That was while playing on a bottom-of-the-league Lions offense. The Lions have upgraded the offense in 2022, which is only going to improve the efficiency, create more opportunities, and red zone trips. Either way, Swift will continue to rely on his elite traits as a pass catcher to rack up the fantasy points. In 2021, Swift was second among all running backs in the NFL with an 18.4% target share. That resulted in 78 targets, which is six per game, which was the fourth most among running backs. Remember, remember that was in 13 games. In 12, if we don't count him leaving week 12 early with an injury and only seeing a 20% share of the snaps. He was fifth in routes run and top 12 in weighted opportunities according to player profiler. We all know his receiving talent at this point. His biggest critics tend to go after his skills as a runner, but to them, to them I say, let's look at Yards created per touch, which he ranked number one. Breakaway run rate. Evaded tackles per touch. He ranked top 15 in both of those categories. Swift has a chance to take 210 to 220 carries. His pace in 2021 was 204. And he can also have 100 targets on top of that. His pace last year, extrapolated out to a full season, would have been 102. Topped with some additional red zone work and an improved offense, and the fantasy production is going to be through the roof. I'm happily taking DeAndre Swift in the middle of the second round with that kind of upside. The dud for the Lions is TJ Hawkinson. I love Hawkinson, 
I do. I love him as a talent, but I'm not comfortable drafting him ahead of Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. But that's where he's going in most drafts. That's it. Plain and simple. That's my argument about him being the dud. DJ Chark as the value for the Lions. So like I was saying, he missed 13 games last year because of injuries. But in 2019, in 2019, he was the wide receiver 19 in fantasy points per game. He caught 73 passes for over 1,000 yards that year. And I know his quarterback, Jared Goff, but the, the Lions, they have a healthy offensive line finally. It's one of the best units in football. And that's going to give Jared Goff time to stand in and find a speedster like DJ Chark down the field while Amon Ross St. Brown continues to be the underneath possession guy. And sure, I know Jamison Williams is drafted in the front to be that downfield threat, but he's still recovering from an ACL and likely to miss a good chunk of the season. Even when he's back, if he does come back at some point this year, it's hard to imagine a rookie wide receiver coming off that severe of an injury, having no offseason or training camp work with the offense, and is going to just step in into a significant role upon his return? I don't think so. So that means that is, this is DJ Chark's job to lose. The Vikings. We're going to go to the Vikings. This show is all fucked up today. The Vikings, we got the stud. Easy stud. Don't even have to think about it. The stud is Justin Jefferson. He's already proven how much of a stud that he is, but he could go absolute nuclear in 2022. The Vikings have made it perfectly clear that they intend on being a pass-heavy offense. They also have one of the more consolidated offenses for fantasy. It's Jefferson, an aging Adam Dillon, with a little bit of K.J. Osborne, and already injured Irv Smith. Jefferson is my wide receiver one. The dud is going to be Adam Thielen. Speaking of Adam Thielen, he's, you know, he's getting older. He's 32 years old. He's been battling injuries for much of the last few seasons. With that said, I, I actually kind of like Thielen a little bit this year. He's flying under the radar, and obviously I have high expectations for this passing offense. He's really the dud for lack of better options, to be honest. The value, I almost went K.J. Osborne because I really like K.J. Osborne, but I've talked about him a few times on this show before. So I wanted to go with Kirk Cousins. I absolutely love Kirk Cousins this year. He's been a top 12 quarterback in fantasy points per game in each of the last two seasons. He's thrown for at least 30 touchdowns in three of the last four. The Vikings have replaced old man Mike Zimmer with a former quarterback in Rams offensive coordinator. This is going to be a pass-happy offense with enough weapons to allow Kirk Cousins to thrive. He's always been underratedly efficient with a knack for pushing the ball down the field. To me, he's like the discount version of a Matthew Stafford or a Joe Burrow. Moving on to the Bears. This team just want, wants to make you puke. Hard to pick a stud, but, but it's kind of easy at the same time because there's not many options. It's, it's Darnell Mooney. There are literally no other weapons in the Bears passing offense outside of Mooney and Cole Komet. And Mooney does an excellent job of separating from coverage and making plays down the field. He'll be the team's go-to for splash plays while also commanding a heavy target volume. The dud in Chicago is going to be David Montgomery. I'm well documented as a guy who doesn't really like David Montgomery a whole lot. He's in one of the worst situations of any starting running back. 
the Bears could legitimately score the fewest points in the league. They're going to be slow, inefficient, with fewer possessions, plays, and red zone trips. With Justin Fields at quarterback, things may be even worse for David Montgomery. Fields' athleticism and lack of polish as a pocket passer, never mind the lack of weapons, make him more apt to call his own number. That will be especially detrimental to Montgomery on the rare occasion that the Bears are actually in the red zone. Montgomery doesn't have the receiving profile to even make up for it, nor the athletic traits to create chunk plays and breakaway runs on his own. He was 31st on evaded tackles per touch in 2021, 42nd in yards created per touch, and 37th at breakaway run rate, according to playerprofiler.com. If you want to draft him in the middle rounds because he's going to get 20 touches per, touches per game, fine, I get it. But just know the efficiency in the ceiling won't be there. And who's to say that the new coaching staff doesn't come in and decide to give Khalil Herbert a few more touches per game too? I don't know. I'm just I'm totally out on David Montgomery. I don't think I've ever drafted David Montgomery, even before this year. But I'm way out this year. The value on Chicago is is Cole Komet. He's a screaming touchdown regression candidate in a good way. Zero times. That's why he had zero touchdowns in 2021, and that was despite finishing eighth in targets among all tight ends with 93. He was top 15 in red zone targets. There is no target competition in that Bears offense. It's just Mooney. It's Komet. So there's going to be target volume there for, for Komet as well. Let's go on to the NFC West. We're going to go two absolute puke fests of offenses back to back here from Chicago to the Seahawks. The stud, though, is going to be DK Metcalf. This guy, DK Metcalf, has been a stud since he came out the womb. Unfortunately, the loss of Russell Wilson will bring him and the rest of the offense far down. They're just gonna, it's just going to bring him down. Considering that Seattle's only plan to replace their franchise quarterback is an ugly combination of Geno Smith and Drew Locke. The only good news is bad quarterbacks tend to lock in on their wide receiver one. So while the efficiency may be way down, the increase in target share should at least help make up for it. But really, we're just waiting for 2023 with DK Metcalf. The duds Rashad Penny. I feel like I'm one of the only analysts out here beating the drum to avoid drafting Rashad Penny. And I'm pounding that drum. That's after, by the way, I was one of a handful of analysts last year beating that same drum, advocating to pick him up off waivers during the season in 2021, weeks before his league-winning five-game stretch. But the past is the past, and we can't expect the same performance considering all of the changes in Seattle since then. Russell Wilson's gone. He's shipped to Denver. That leaves Penny in the worst offense in the league with the worst quarterback situation in the league. This is going to be an offense that plays at a slow pace, is inefficient, struggles to keep drives alive, won't see many red zone trips, and is going to limit the fantasy production of all of its players. It's not like he'll make up for it as a pass catcher like we saw with DeAndre Swift last year. Even in a functional offense with Russell Wilson, a quarterback, he averages one reception per game. 
over that hot five-game stretch to end the year. And let's not forget, the Seahawks just used a second-round pick on a running back. Hello? And sure, Penny will begin the season atop the depth chart, but it's only a matter of time before Kenneth Walker gets an opportunity to take a bigger role in that backfield. So now we have a running back in Rashad Penny who doesn't catch passes. He's in a bad offense, and he's at best splitting the early downs work. This is one of my 2022 takes that I am the most passionate about. Just don't draft Rashad Penny. The value in Seattle, it's hard to find one because I just hate this offense so much. We're going to go Tyler Lockett. He seems to find a way to produce every single year. He'll be the splash play king, even without Russell Wilson. However, those splash plays are going to be fewer and farther between. He's going super late in all formats. I'd only draft him in best ball, though. And even then, I don't think I've drafted him an underdog a single time this year, despite the low cost to get him. I just, I just, I just want no part of that offense. Let's move on to the 49ers. Let's have, let's move on from the disgusting Seahawks, the disgusting Bears. And let's go to one of my favorites, the 49ers. The stud is Trey Lance. He's the ultimate league winning quarterback for 2022. Planting my flag in that, planting my flag in that weeks ago. There's really no argument against him. You can't make a case against Trey Lance. If you're worried about his passing efficiency or his inexperience, let's just look at Jalen Hurts from last year. Hurts finished as the QB6 despite finishing with over 3,100 yards passing, barely over 3,100 yards passing, while these other quarterbacks across the league are topping 4,000, 5,000. Jalen Hurts is out here throwing for 3,100 yards and 16 touchdowns while completing just 61.3% of his passes. But because of his rushing production, he was the QB6 in fantasy points per game. Trey Lance is going to bring a similar game with his legs. And he has a bigger arm than Jalen Hurts. And he's surrounded by much better weapons than Jalen Hurts. I mean, the Russian, the Russian gives him a high floor. And if he hits as a passer... Baby, the ceiling is the QB1 overall. That's right. Trey Lance has the ceiling of the QB1 overall. I'm not telling you that he's going to hit that ceiling, but his rushing ability makes that happen if he hits as a passer. And even if he doesn't, he'll just be Jalen Hurts from last year, a mid-QB1. Oh, man. And you're getting him in a value. He could have been the value here as well. The dud... The dud, I know a few of you in here are 49ers fans, it looks like, on in the TikTok chat. So don't kill me. But the dud, it's going to be Debo Samuel. This is simply a case of being slightly overdrafted, and there's really not a lot of options to choose from this, this team as a dud. So I don't hate Debo Samuel. Don't get me wrong. It's just there's not a lot of options in this team to say that that guy's going to be a dud. He's certainly not going to get the 59 carries that he saw in 2021. That was reportedly part of the issue when he requested a trade back in the spring. 
as much as I love Lance at quarterback, there is still some uncertainty considering he started just three games going back to his sophomore year in college. That means efficiency and pass volume are likely down in this offense. And with Lance's athleticism, he'll he'll be taking some of those opportunities himself. He's going to scramble. He's going to run around, design runs. You know, he's going to take some. He's going to call his number quite a bit. That's why we love Trey Lance. But you know, looking at the other weapons around him, you know, that's like you know, it's going to be especially problematic in the red zone, considering that Samuel scored a lot of his points on touchdowns. He had 14 total and eight rushing. I'm not saying that Debo won't be good, but some are drafting him like he's going to be great, and I just don't see that. Now, we have Jacob in the TikTok chat calling out Brandon Ayuk as a breakout, and I have Brandon Ayuk as the value. I love Brandon Ayuk. I love it. As much as I just talked about Debo you know, being a little overdrafted, I love Ayuk. He's out of the doghouse, and we forget how good he is after the catch. Debo's not the only yak monster in San Francisco, guys. Brandon Ayuk, maybe not that Debo level after the catch, but he is one of the best wide receiver wide receivers in the league at, at creating yards after the catch. But what Debo doesn't do so well is get down the field. That is where Ayuk is going to shine with Trey Lance. Lance has an absolute cannon for an arm. Ayuk's going to get the ball pushed down the field. He's still going to get those underneath targets where he can eat up yards after the catch as well. He's a great value where he's going in drafts right now. Let's move on to the Rams, the Super Bowl champion, Los Angeles Rams. The stud is going to be Cam Akers. Just six months removed from one of the most traumatic injuries a running back can sustain. The Rams completely turned their backfield over to Cam Akers in the most important games of their season. And it was a miracle that he was even out there. And yet he took 75% of the carries in the postseason while averaging 19 touches per game. And sure, I know he wasn't efficient in those in those games or those touches. But let's remember, they played against the league's third, seventh, and fifth-ranked rush defenses in the playoffs. Akers is a guy who averaged over 120 scrimmage yards per game over his last seven games in 2020, including postseason. So we know he's good. And now he's going to be the bell cow and one of the league's best offenses. I am, I'm all in, all in on Cam Akers. The dud, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. The dud in Los Angeles for the Rams is going to be Cooper Cup. Am I serious? Not really, but kind of. I mean, many are drafting Cup as the wide receiver one after his incredible 2020 campaign. I can't debate against that too hardly. However, I expect Justin Jefferson to take that crown in 2022, while Cup experiences a little bit of regression on top of losing a few targets and red zone looks to free agent signee Allen Robinson. With that said, he's my wide receiver too. So it's not a strong dud, that's for sure. Like I said at the top of the show, like I said at the top of the show, um, this is all about ADP. All about ADP. The value... Rams is going to be Allen Robinson. And he's stepping into a role that has consistently delivered a target share above 20% over the last few seasons, whether it was Robert Woods or Odell Beckham. We know Robinson can be that guy. He was able to produce wide receiver one numbers, even with putrid quarterback play in 2019 and 2020 with the Bears. 
and now he's playing with the best quarterback of his life. Give me all the Allen Robinson. He's a great value. He could have even put him as the stud, but I think he's, he's just a fantastic value. Let's move on to the Cardinals. The stud is going to be Kyler Murray. Uh, Murray is the ultimate combination of arm and legs to make him one of the top quarterbacks in fantasy football. Whatever you think about him in real life, he's a stud in fantasy football. The team's added his former college receiver, Marquise Brown, and he'll have a full season now to work with tight end Zach Ertz. Hawkins returns from his six-game suspension. Murray's going to be looking at the best group of weapons that he's had to work with since entering the NFL. The dud in Arizona is going to be 21 numbers weren't exactly popping off the stat sheet. He took 202 carries for 752 yards while hauling in 37 receptions for 375 yards. He wasn't even overly efficient either. His true yards per carry ranked 62nd among all running backs in the NFL, while his yards per touch, evaded tackles per touch, and breakaway run rate all ranked outside the top 24 on playerprofiler.com. I think the people drafting Connor at ADP are expecting that either Connor is going to continue to score an absurd amount of touchdowns or that he's going to absorb the full Chase Edmonds role on top of his own. Spoiler alert, neither is going to happen. Connor should be a dead zone running back, and yet he's going ahead of other backs like Travis Etienne and Brees Hall. You also have to pass on some stud wide receivers in order to draft him. The value in Arizona is going to be Zach Ertz. Ertz only played half a season with the Cardinals last year, yet he still scored as a tight end one seven times. His full 17-game pace would have given him over 80 receptions and close to 900 receiving yards. And without DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks, Ertz is going to be the alpha dog in that passing game. Moving on to the NFC South, we got the stud for the Buccaneers is Tom Brady. Of course it's Tom Brady. He just led the league in pass attempts, completion, yards, and touchdowns. He was also number one in deep passes and red zone attempts. He finished as the QB3 in fantasy football and is literally the greatest quarterback of all time. Do I really need to say more? Let's just move on. The dud is Mike Evans. Evans needs to continue to score touchdowns at an incredibly high rate to return value at ADP. His target rate, yards per reception, air yard share, and yards per route were all average at best in 2021. We keep drafting him, counting on that touchdown rate. Eventually, it's going to drop off, and we're going to be left holding a middling wide receiver who's barely getting by on volume. With that said, we're still ranking him as a borderline wide receiver one. We're not complete idiots. Idiots, but not complete idiots. The value in Tampa is going to be Rashad White. I love Rashad White. He continues to be one of my favorite picks once we get into the double-digit rounds. He's one of the best lottery tickets you can find in any draft. At 214 pounds, White is an explosive athlete with sub-4.5 speed. On top of that, his receiving profile is exceptional. Not only did he lead, lead Arizona State in rushing last year, but White also had the second highest share of receiving yards on the team. 
He had an unbelievable 20.9% reception share while averaging 11.9 yards per reception. Now he's in one of the best offenses in the league with a quarterback who utilizes his running backs in the passing game as much as anyone in Tom Brady. White's lurking behind a 27-year-old at the most injury-prone position in the game. He could be just one Leonard Fournette cheeseburger away from being a league winner. Moving on to the Falcons, the stud, it's going to be Kyle Pitts. He had a historically good rookie season for a tight end. He's going to be one of the elite tight ends in fantasy football for a long time. He's not going to face much target competition in 2022 with just rookie wide receiver Drake London as the only other respectable option in that passing game. The dud's going to be Cordero Patterson. There's no chance that he repeats his incredible age 30 breakout season. He'll continue to be productive in the passing game, but it's hard to see a path to double-digit touchdowns again. Just not going to happen. The value is going to be Drake London. London was on pace to have one of the most dominant receiving seasons we've seen in 2021 before fracturing his ankle. Yet he still finished with over 1,000 yards and averaged 11 receptions per game in eight contests at USC. Even in the early days at USC, he was productive while playing alongside Michael Pittman and Amon Ross St. Brown. He's the clear wide receiver one in Atlanta, with tight end Kyle Pitts the only real threat for target competition. London is has all the tools of a prototypical X receiver and a yak monster. Of all the players going around his ADP, London has by far the most upside. Going to the Panthers, the stud, easy stud, Christian McCaffrey. You don't need me to tell you that Christian McCaffrey is a stud. He's done that by averaging 25.4 fantasy points per game over his last 42 games from 2018 to 2021. 42 games. I mean, yeah, we see guys do that for a season, but 42 freaking games averaging over 25 fantasy points? That's incredible. The only question is, can he stay healthy? That's it. We know who McCaffrey is. He's a stud when he's playing, and we know the questions. That's his health. The dud is going to be Robbie Anderson. We all know what Robbie Anderson said about Baker Mayfield on social media this offseason. There is no way Baker is looking his way. No way. That's really all I have to say about Robbie. The value is going to be DJ Moore. He's quietly been one of the best wide receivers in the NFL over the last three seasons. He has seen a target share over 24% in each of those three seasons, and he's consistently near the top of the league in air yards and yards after the catch. Now he has to play with the best quarterback of his career. I'm drafting DJ Moore for sure. For the Saints, the studs Alvin Kamara. He seems to have dodged a suspension, at least for now. That puts him right back into the second round conversation. And we already know what he is. He's going to be utilized heavily in the passing game where he has averaged 75 receptions per season over his career. We could also see a continuation of his 2021 usage as a ball carrier, which propelled him to a career high 240 rush attempts. He had never even cracked the 200 mark in his previous four seasons. He had six games with at least 20 carries, topping off at 
30 attempts in the season finale. Considering the team did nothing to improve the depth behind him, it's a good bet that he's going to continue to be the focal point in both phases of that offense. The dud's going to be Michael Thomas. Thomas has played in just seven games since injuring his ankle back in week one of 2020. That includes missing the entirety of the 2021 campaign. He's already battling hamstring injuries in training camp, and gone are the days where he's the only legitimate wide receiver option in that passing game. The team brought in Jarvis Landry in free agency, and they drafted Chris Olave in the first round. At 29 years old, Michael Thomas is far from the elite level that he was a few years ago. If you draft him thinking you're going to get wide receiver one production or even anything close to it, you're going to be very disappointed. Let's wrap it up with the value. Chris Olave. I don't love Olave for redraft as much as I did a month ago. I think we talked about him on the Scott Fishbowl episode. and I was absolutely in love with that pick. At that point, there was still some uncertainty around Michael Thomas, and there was a higher probability that we'd seen, seen Alvin Kamara suspension. While I'm not as bullish on him now, I still like him. He might be the best wide receiver on his team, and his skill set matches what with what Jameis Winston wants to do, which is push the ball down the field. And he may be the most polished of all the rookie wide receivers. But that's it. We did it. We got through the NFC. We got through the AFC last week, NFC this week, 48 players last week, 48 players today. I believe that equals out to 96 players. You have my take on 96 players over the last two weeks. That's absolutely incredible. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. We're going to talk about the 21 players you should be drafting outside the top 120. It's going to be fun. We'll dive into some deep sleepers. It's just it's just going to be a lot of fun. I love talking about these deep guys in drafts, wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends. We're going to talk about them all. I'm also going to write it up as an article on Yards for Fantasy. And in the meantime, just check out everything we've got going on over at YardsforFantasy.com. Check out the draft kit, Project 32, the auction guide. And hey, sign up to receive text alerts. We'll send you our betting and DFS plays of the week, or alert you when the rankings drop, when we're live, and everything you need to crush your league mates this season. Just go to the website or my Twitter bio to find the number. Then shoot us a text, and you'll be automatically subscribed. Anyway, this was fun. Thanks, guys. Oh, 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 oh,